Kevin. Hey, Louie. Girlie, you're looking like a California girl, fine, fresh, <laughs> and fierce. Where's your bikini on top, though? The, uh, no one wants that. No one wants <laughs> <laughs> I should get the Delta Work, like, bikini body Oh, wow, that's shirt. a fucking vibe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, MacArthur Park. MacArthur <laughs> Somebody did leave that cake out in the rain. I will never have that recipe again. It's it's tragic. I hate when that happens. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we take two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and we watch as much <laughs> as we can to do a ton of research, and then we spit it all back to you, and we tell you what we like and what we don't like. Yeah, we serve it piping hot. We mix up those reviews. Ooh, um, stir them. Ooh, yeah, mix yeah, in. yeah. I, I don't was... know why I'm doing miming mixing. <laughs> I'm like, just for a Patreon audience. <laughs> yeah, this is mixing. Churning butter over there. <laughs> um, yeah, we took an extra week for this episode because, my God, did we bite off more than we could chew. Um, <laughs> What's this? Oh, we stuff. I vaguely All remember. Right. I right. vaguely remember you being like, what if we did this as a genre? And me being like, that's going to be really hard. Okay. I like believe in myself and <laughs> sometimes I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> remember uh, kids, don't believe in yourself. Remember kids, um, just like do not as much as you think you can. Just like do minimum <laughs> always forever. Um, and then also Const- were- co- constantly quiet, quit. Yes, constantly. Uh, but also, uh, you went to Los Angeles. I did. Last City week. of Angels, Los yes. Angeles. Yes. All those other famous quotes about it. I'm so deeply jealous that you got to go to the Academy Museum, which I have I've been to, but I want to go again. It's um, amazing. It's yeah. just it's just the most wonderful place. Did you get to eat at the restaurant? I did not, other than like like a little snacky snack and a some free snack. water. Okay, but but I did spend a hundred dollars in the gift shop. Fuck a a yeah. cool hundred dollars. What'd you get? Oh my god, I got t-shirts. I got like an Almodovar t-shirt. Yes. I got an Almodovar magnet. I got yes. an Almodovar pin. I was really like the going Almodovar a little... <laughs> merch is yeah. really good, <laughs> and it was on sale because they don't really have that exhibit anymore. They just have the first room of that exhibit now. Really? So, yeah. Also, uh. really funny to watch the scene, the fantasy sequence from Talk to Her of the man crawling into a vagina as there's like an 11 year old kid standing next to me. I, I know. I'm the like, room, the room for like animated like movies is right next yep. to it, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> Um, I was like, these are all my interests. This feels great for me. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like it's it's beautiful and it's expansive. And like, you know, for those of you who don't live in New York or L.A., New York, we have Museum of Moving Image, which is similar but very different vibe. And, and so this was cool to like see, you know, the Academy history and, and all the important things. And also they have the re- this really great exhibit right now that's about black film and all of the lost race pictures that we used to have and uh, i believe it's called regeneration and it was just very cool and moving and i will say one negative thing is that they have all these exhibits about all these different fields that you can go into film there's production design scenic design costuming cinematography there's a great exhibit on uh foley work nary an exhibit on editing not a single i have a note (laughs) and like as a professional editor i was like kind of important kind of i mean there's a wall when you walk in that tells you like what every job does and it's like editing is a very important part and it's like clearly you don't 
think that museum. Did you go go into the room where it's just like silence and you're listening to music? Yes. Yeah, yeah. uh, mm, uh, There is a a big sign that's... And currently I think the the soundtrack that's in there is the score from Tar. Really? Yeah. I think when I was there, I think it was like Shutter Island. Oh, fun. Fun. But the there's a big sign saying like, you know, no lights or pictures mm-hmm. experience and walked in and it was a woman giving herself a photo shoot. Disgusting. Like, Ugh, was like, people cool. are the worst. Uh, reading Ugh. comprehension in this country. Down the crapper. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're glad to have you back, back, back again. And I'm happy York. to be back. I, it's funny. I went to L.A. during the time in which it's apparently the same temperature as it is in New York. Yeah, so yeah you really did. I was uh, like big hoodie the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> um, on our last episode, we talked about the fabulous, the cookie crazy Miss Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, I famously said this is why we do this show. We had Charlie Nash here with us. Um, who brought that kooky little freak to us? Um, <laughs> you know, truly, that was like one of the weirder watches that we've had. But I, oh, absolutely! Uh, but I fucking loved it. Yeah, um, and I and I love diving into her history. It's it's one of those things where, especially coming off the the subject we did the the previous week, Paul Rudd, which once again not a knock yeah. knock on Paul Rudd, just yeah. like the the different things that you can embody within this biz we call show. Yeah, and she's like an actor but also yeah. she's not somebody who brings it home with her right yeah for sure uh, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite jennifer jason lee movie and here are the results uh shortcuts came in at 12 percent um i believe that was charlie's, charlie's pick. pick yeah, yeah. Um, georgia eked by at 13 percent um i love georgia yeah I, I that was such a crazy movie to watch but like i was like wow that 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 felt like really powerful like i don't know is this... it made me happy because i know it is a big when you think about the history of the academy awards like people talk about it as a thing because she was snubbed and mm-hmm. and her co-star was nominated but mayor winningham yeah. uh, and i was like nobody's gonna have seen this when you put it on the and i'm glad you did because it proved me wrong and it, and it proved to me that our you know the people that vote in our poll like are are maybe more well-rounded than I was giving them credit for. Yeah. Cuz it's but it's also like not the movie that's on the tip of everybody's tongue when they're right. talking about Jennifer Jason. Lee, I will I say Georgia I think is available on Tubi for free. So oh, nice. There yes. you go. So if you haven't seen Georgia, it's available. It's 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 really good. Um my pick Fast Times at Ridgemont High came in at second place with 33%. Um I was just informed that it's playing at the Paris soon um here in New York. So that's pretty cool. And Existence, the dark horse. <laughs> yeah. Coming out on top with 42% in your pick, Gavin. Um, we had a lot of folks with different picks. Oh, yeah. Um, some Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle. Um, we definitely got at least one Hateful Eight. Yes. Hudsucker Proxy. Um, Which I had to cut out most from the show because the show was really long. It was very long. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I do love Hutsucker Proxy, and as I said in the deleted material, we'll maybe be talking about that again soon. So <laughs> um, we also Glenn said last exit to Brooklyn. Um, we had one my <laughs> oh oh Glenn <laughs> oh Glenn 
And Miami Blues also was mentioned. So again, like just an, uh, a subject that really expansive, wide ranging um, body of work that is really cool and interesting. So thank you, Jennifer Jason Lee. It's now time to Jennifer Jason leave. <laughs> we appreciate you, girly. Um, okay, oh, Gavin. you've been you've been waiting for that. <laughs> oh, honey, I, the way that I workshop so many Jennifer Jason insert pun here uh you know my brain is unwell um but anyway gavin uh i think it's time we reveal the truth um and tell the folks why we're here and what this subject is for this episode well i know how it was done oh. and i'm gonna tell you all how it happened uh-oh <laughs> the, <laughs> <This> reveal? Week, <laughs> the reveal the <laughs> reveal this week on the show, we're talking about whodunits. That's dun, dun, dun. right. It is a mini genre episode. I and know. You know what we're doing? It, Louis presented this idea to me. It sounded like fun. I think it is fun. I had a lot of fun watching for it. I think the research is a little hard because as a genre, like whodunit is a subset of the mystery genre, obviously, for those who don't know. And I think... It's it was a little we certainly we had to gather our sources and yeah. just really pull them all in to make like a cohesive narrative. Which right. is funny it, because it is a genre about making a cohesive narrative. Right. It was uh I will say it was a lot more sprawling than I thought. With going in and the problem, you know, I think is like how do you define a whodunit? I think a lot of different people have probably different um uh, parameters for this i definitely watched movies where i was like well that didn't count because that makes <laughs> I, no fuck like <laughs> i did too if that makes you feel better you were it not does. alone but i think like that's part of like the process and a part of like you know i think the exploration of this genre like i know now what is not a whodunit like i remember going into this we were looking at a couple lists and i was like is scream a whodunit and you were like yeah i rewatched scream and i was like no i'm not See, counting I think it, it- but I totally think it is. If it's not a whodunit, then what is it? I don't think it's a whodunit because there's no, like, investigator. Like, there's no, like, no one's trying to solve the crime. It's I, like, I mean, I, I I think that that discounts, that discounts the idea <laughs> of the reluctant investigator, which I think is a a a fun aspect to whodunits. I it, love it when it's not just about the, the person, which is not to say there are plenty of good and we, we will talk about them. You know, through the Benoit Blancs of the world, the um, the Miss Jane Marples, Marples. Of, yeah, yes. the Miss Jane Marples of the world. But I, I love when it's somebody who's just kind of thrust into the middle of a whodunit and is like, uh, flailing. Like, I guess this is you're right. the one who did it. Enter the detective, or to put it broadly, the investigator. You don't have to be certified in order to chase the case. In a traditional whodunit, you receive all the important information up front, even the killer. You just don't know it yet. However, there are certain cases where the culprit is an enigma, their presence only glimpsed at the edge of the frame. And even if our investigator has the facts to put the finger on someone, the truth of the matter may remain elusive, or they just got the wrong guy. But if there are clues that still need to be followed, then the investigator persists. I don't even think there's that in Scream. Like, you know, I I think, like, there... A big part of it is, like, um... 
like let's take for example like scooby-doo like that whole idea like it's probably in the same like vein like it's a little bit horror you know it's obviously for kids there's no fucking murders or anything but like it depends they, on which scooby-doo you're watching that's true <laughs> scooby-doo um but the, you know the 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 gang are like actively trying to solve a mystery in scream you know yeah as like we're watching these movies and like there's certainly mysteries involved in these horror films like scream but th- the point is not like who is the bad guy the point is like there's someone doing something nefarious interesting i don't i mean i see I mean, this is our first argument we haven't even yeah. gotten to the show yet yeah we're, and we're, we're, i, I still next. i yeah, still like, disagree well, five star five star <laughs> scream scream uh, five star scream three specifically <laughs> um <laughs> no that's i mean i i think that's an interesting argument to be had but but yeah, I think we we came to the conclusion that the the idea because you know the two big subsets of mystery films are a whodunit, which is usually a crime has been committed. It doesn't always have to be murder. It can be something has been stolen or someone is missing. Uh, someone is missing. Uh, someone goes to investigate it, or there is an investigation as to who did what when. And then there has to be a big reveal. And also the audience is allowed to play along with that investigation to form their own opinions and then find out if they're right or wrong in the end. I believe the other big one, which has come sort of back into the foray with things like Poker Face or Columbo, if you will, are the How Ketchums, which start off showing you how a crime was perpetrated. And then the, the gag is going with the investigator and watching them figure out how it was done. But in the case of the whodunit, we can take a few things for granted. Someone died, someone killed them, and we have to follow the sorry soul who's chasing the breadcrumbs. The Columbo starts with the scene where the killer does the murder and you see who it is, and then it, that makes it suspense, not surprise. That mean, means there is no surprise, you know it, and you're waiting to see how Columbo's gonna catch him. The audience has shown the thing. Like, I think, uh, you know, a good example is like, uh, uh, I watched Blowout and I was like, wait, this is not yeah. Blowout fully tells you who the bad guy is. Like you're kind of it's the, the tension is just like building to it's all coming to a head and you see both sides coming as opposed to in the whodunit where it's like you are going along with the ride with the detective being like, oh, uh, what's going on? Um, yeah. So, and so, Blowout's great. Just not a whodunit. Yeah, correct. And um, now I have seen that movie. So good for me. <laughs> Um, But okay, Gavin, why don't we just jump into this rewind? It's going to be a wild ride. So ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, buckle up. So when I was doing my research for this episode, I thought like, where do I start? Where do we begin? Um, And I really had to, you know, go back and and do some investigations um, (laughs) about, you know, the genre as a uh, 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 like a, as a work of fiction, like you know the the writers who popularized this uh, this genre, which then you know trickled into like the filmmaking world. Um, so, like very briefly, um, you know, whodunits, mysteries, detective fiction, this whole genre um, it, it is really born out of the industrial age in the eighteen hundreds. Um, you know, there was certainly like in this era, like, uh, Edgar Allan Poe was really like thought to be like one of the first people to create a mystery story. Um, 
the the word detective like had not appeared anywhere before he wrote murders in the rue morgue this was in 1841 um he wrote or came up with his um private investigator uh monsieur c auguste dupin <laughs> all these fucking investigator detective types really love crazy names oh yeah uh, they, they they all have like 17 names yeah and yeah usually they're french <laughs> yes yes they love being exotic and mysterious um but the the the, the vibe is, is though that the industrial revolution you know people are moving to cities um and cities are becoming bigger the countryside's becoming smaller um when people are forced together to live in closer spaces, crime increases. Um, so London like established their police force in 1829. New York City got its first police force in 1845. And so the conflict of people living together um, or in closer proximities and all of a sudden these like investigative policing units really, you know, it's the whole like art imitates life and vice versa like there's more crime um that people are consuming and as everyone knows like today like people are fucking obsessed with true crime stuff oh absolutely like i would this genre is just insanely popular you know and it's like the 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 grab of like you know the mysteries of life and like how something gets done and and how to be clever um people are also reading a lot more now because the printing press has taken off. And so the accessibility to these stories is a lot easier. And um, people, because people, more people are reading, more people are, are intelligent and smart. And so like this idea of, of, you know, playing along and like, are you clever enough to figure out the right. game? And, is and I, a, I do think a, just a, a human trait is the want to be clever. Mm-hmm. The idea that you you want to be able to be smarter than the pe- person in the book. And and one of the great things about detective fiction is often they're presented as the smartest person in the room. Right. And so it's like, oh, if you can figure this out, then you're even smarter than the fictional smarty pants that you've right. been reading about. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the term whodunit was coined by News of Books reviewer Donald Gordon, who in 1930 reviewed the detective novel half Mass Murder. Really, you know, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Sir uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's um, fictional detective, he yeah. changes the game, you know? like it, And so, like, Edgar Allan Poe had come before and... You know, Sherlock is like he paved the way for Sherlock Holmes to fucking like Yeah. And Sherlock Holmes becomes the template. Yeah. He is he's a template. And he is based on like a doctor, Dr. Joseph Bell. And the whole thing was like and the and the classic traditional Sherlock Holmes thing is like, let me guess, you're a fucking seamstress because oh, there's a thread on your pants and like you paint your nails X color. Like the whole thing is like, I'm using my wits to just look at you and I can deduce all the things about you. I've talked about Sherlock Holmes on the show before. And I think I, I got in trouble with my friend Sarah because I said that I didn't like him. It's not that I dislike Sherlock Holmes. I think in terms of detective fiction, he's very annoying. Because yes. half of the things that he solves, half of the murders the, or, or the crimes he solves are based on some obscure piece of knowledge that he has buried in the back of his brain. And actually, like, 
while it looks like deduction, and actually we're, we're going to get to that in a moment, other detectives that are better at it, that actually do deduction, it is more like his weird memorization. Like, right, you know, right. the, it's the... You get to, like, things where he'll be like, ah, yes, a famous poison that I know only exists in Tanzania through my adventures that I was reading in this book that I found and a yeah. teacher told me. And it's like, uh, what What are you doing? Like, what? what is, the, yeah. you know, his, yeah. like, memory palace. And it's like, right. okay, buddy. There's, like, I saw uh, the private life of Sherlock Holmes. There is something missing from my desk. Missing? Something very crucial. What? Dust. You have been tidying up against my explicit orders. Oh, look, I made sure I hadn't disturbed anything. Dust, Mrs. Hudson, is an essential part of my filing system. By the thickness of it, I can date any document immediately. Well, some of the dust was this thick. That would be March 1883. When I was like... This is ridiculous. Like, you are being ridiculous, sir. <laughs> like, that, that is not, like, that's clearly, like, a, a something to, like, inform us of his, like, capacity for brain power. But, like, that's ridiculous. Like, no, you didn't. No. Like, no. I, I think there's a lot of fun to be had by going back to, like, the Basil Brathbone Sherlock Holmes from the 30s and 40s. And actually, I watched a couple of those. And I think my favorite one was The Scarlet Claw, which is essentially a Universal Studios horror movie. Like, the, he's chasing a, a being through the swamps that literally glows in the dark. And obviously, there's a scientific explanation for it and whatnot. But I was really impressed with that. I also watched The the Green Lady or The Lady in Green. Uh, and that one was less so. That one was less. I think invariably, when you're talking about, about Sherlock Holmes, half of them are whodunits and half of them are, okay, Moriarty's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, like, it's like, okay, that's the bag. That's him. That's right. him, officer. He did it. He, he did, did it. It's him. I think there's, there's a lot of great Sherlock Holmes stuff out there. One of my favorite twists on Sherlock Holmes ever was the young Sherlock Holmes movie from the 80s. It's, that's one of your favorites? Yeah. It's so, I think it's so much fun. <laughs> I mean, it's no without a clue. I mean, it's no Great Mouse Detective, but... <laughs> I like Great Mouse Detective. Did I not say I like Great Mouse Detective yes, in yes, our yes, Disney yes, Dark yes. Age episode? Yes, yes. I watched Without a Clue, which is a Ben Kingsley, Michael Caine, where the idea is that Sherlock Holmes is just an actor, and John Watson's actually the brains behind the operation, and Michael Caine is this buffoon Sherlock Holmes, and Ben Kingsley is the driving force behind... It's the Clay case. You still in a smith over there? If you want my opinion. I beg your pardon? Opinion, did you say? Oh, my God. Not that speech again. May I remind you, for your information, sir, that your opinions are my opinions. Oh, piffle. And so I think there's a lot of really interesting, fun things out there. Uh, I love Gene Wilder's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, mm -hmm. which makes me laugh and laugh, starring the great Madeline Kahn as well. And yeah, the there's a lot there's a lot of um, recurring actors in the genre we will yes. find. I mean, Maggie Smith can't say no to a who done it. I I was shocked. I the doing the research for this, doing watching the films for this, it definitely became a when's James Mason gonna show up <laughs> for me. I I did see one where he played Watson. There's a movie called Murder by Decree. And it's Christopher Plummer as Sherlock Holmes and and him as Watson. So yeah, there there is a lot of 
reoccurring bits specifically yes. in the Sherlockness of it all. Yeah, we literally could have just done a Sherlock episode, honestly. There's 10,000 of them. Yes. I uh, I mean, no joke, and the number's probably gone up as we speak, but at last count, I believe there's 130-something Sherlock Holmes movies. Jesus Christ. Which like, I mean, because they started when film began. In the early 1920s-ish, Agatha Christie comes to the forefront. Whilst the whodunit has been a constant narrative style within literature, it really leads back to the work of Agatha Christie. Christie literally wrote the book on the whodunit genre, and her marvellous works of fiction have entertained generations both on the page and via many on-screen adaptations. The first filmic adaptation of Christie's work, The Passing of Mr Quinn, was a 1928 British mystery directed by Leslie S. Hiscott. Based on the short story The Coming of Mr Quinn, it was the first British film to be made of one of Christie's works. The short story was adapted by Hiscott, who in 1931 would go on to direct Alibi, the first film to feature Christie's more well-known detective, Hercule Poirot. She's inspired in part by um, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, and she, you know, pops off with her first um, detective, Hercule Poirot, um, <laughs> another fucking crazy Belgian. Belgian, uh, not Be Parisian. Yes, Belgian. Uh, detective he has a crazy mustache scenario he has a bonkers accent um she, but she also i mean agatha christie is like the best-selling author of all time she yes, sold like yeah. four billion copies of her books so uh, so if sherlock is the template she creates basically the modern yeah uh, mystery thriller which is funny because once again this is still a hundred years ago yes at this point but she is now the person that when when you write a mystery, if you can do it as good as Agatha Christie, you got something. Yeah, I mean, she wrote 66 detective novels and 14 short story collections. The woman was working. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so Hercule and Miss Marple are her two, you know, like gems in her crown. Um, it's funny, Miss Marple, Miss Marple is a elderly woman she is um you know sh she solves mysteries in a, in a in a i would say classier more um uh prof not professionals professionals not the right word it's it's just a very dignified yeah. sense um but also i think like it's funny because agatha christie uh you know i watched a couple of her movies and, and tried my best to like get through um what i could but like both her, like her genre, what she does is very, um, perhaps class, I don't, is classist the right word? Kind of. I mean, like in a lot of the Hercule, <laughs> um, movies and stories, there's lots of like working class servant type characters yes. that are never even considered to be no. the murderers because it's like, LOL, you guys are poor. Like you can't right. be murderers. Her yeah. Hercule Poirot. Uh, I'm going to mess that up a bunch of We're times. We're going to say his just... name 10,000 different times and di yeah. different ways. Um, Don't worry about it. By the way, my favorite story of his is Death at Drag Race Belgique. Love it. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, he's I was Belgian. like, God. <laughs> <laughs> It was oh, no, Rita someone, someone, got, someone got Susan from Grinder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, he is he's the upper crust. He's the invited to the parties. He's invited to the to the lavish galas. He's invited on vacation, and which is always so funny because it's like basically like 
something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, like, <laughs> why oh, did, fuck, why did you invite here? the detective? Oh, God. But his movies, they are the, the kind of broader, like, everybody's rich. And, and like you said, it there is no, like, the working class basically doesn't exist. They are right. there as background or, you know, like, one-line witnesses. Right. And, and it's never, mes- like, keep keep the servants. We need to investigate all of them. Nope. No, no. Nope. Don't care. Miss Marple, on the other hand, is working class. She's a small yes. town lady. She's she's willing to, you know, work with, you know, I, I also find that she doesn't. At least in the in the, my research, I, I've never really read a Miss Marple book, I can say, and I, I should at some point. But um, she she has a lot of people who are willing to work for her or like do her bidding. Like, right. I, I, one of the movies I watched was Murder, She Said. I saw that one, too. Yeah. And so in the novel version of that, she doesn't do half of the legwork. Like, she, like, has a friend pose as the maid and whatnot. Oh. And it's funny because I also watched The Mirror Cracked, which is based on the book The Mirror Cracked from Side to Side. And that one's more faithful into the, so you basically don't spend a ton of time with Miss Marple. And yeah. I don't know if I, I love that because I like her being in the action and I liked and famously Agatha Christie hated the film version of murder. She said, cause she thought really? that they made Miss Marple too slapsticky and, and, and more of it, more of like a comedy of manners. But I like that. I like her being in the gig. Consistent with something having been dumped from a train. Wouldn't you say? If it was the body, it would roll down and finish up against this wall. Then where is it? That, Mr. Stringer, is the question. Because she is such a lady and, 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 and you know, demure and like, on hand, Mesa. Like, <laughs> that's that's why people would do... Th- it's, it's the polite thing to, like, help the elderly woman solve crimes, okay? Yes. Like, that's the vibe. Um, and I... But but at the same time though, like I think she, it, Agatha Christie came from upper crusty life. Like she right. was going to Egypt on holiday. She was you know traveling the world. Like she led led a very privileged life, and so it makes sense to me that both her premier characters and she had others as well, but these two are standouts. Kind of reflect that life, even though Miss Marple is like a quote unquote spinster who you know, is more working class. She is not poor. <laughs> she is. No, no, not by and, any means. And, and she's not by any means like, you know, someone who struggles in life. She is very, she has a fucking servant. Like she, yeah. you know. She is, also has the time to solve crimes. Yes. What is she <laughs> like, doing? She's like 60 years old and just like, oh, where's the tea? Where's the murder? <laughs> like it's, that's the vibe. Um, But I, I will, I, like to your point, I like, I like Miss Marple more than I like Hercule. I think Hercule is a little, I don't know what we're supposed to feel from him. Like, he's just a crazy person. <laughs> I definitely think Miss Marvel over Hercule. But I will say, uh, you know, I, I, I'd i seen the original uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And I this time I decided to watch the, the next two sequels. So in the 1974 Murder on the Orient Express, the one that was directed by Sidney Cindy Lumet, Albert Finney plays Hercule. And... It's very stiff and very mannered, and he's wearing like a fat suit. And, and he was so wearing they, a fat suit in that. Yeah, and so when they go to make the sequel, Death on the Nile, they call up Albert Finney, and he's like, uh, "It was really hot 
in that train and you want to put me in 100 degree weather wearing that? No, thank you. And so they get Peter Ustinov. And I think what Peter Ustinov brings to the character, like, I may not like Poirot, but I like Peter Ustinov as Poirot. So much so that I then, like, definitely was fun. I didn't love it, but... But then I watched the next one, which is... Um, Evil Under the Sun. Yes, Evil Under the Sun. And I fucking love... I was like, campy fucking nonsense. And Peter Ustinov said it best, like, he loved playing Poirot. Like, he ended up playing him, like, ten times, but only three three big screen movies. Uh, and he said that he's such a great character to play... He is nobody you want to know in real life because he's so specific and so persnickety and his own thing. And you would just be annoyed by him. And I love that Peter Ustinov like could connect into that and play that. I I just think he's so funny. Tell me, madame, how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Yes. And now how many? Well, that... That's not fair. You're hiding. Madame, you cannot see in the mirror someone seated at the desk. It's not me that is hiding. It is you who are lying. The ridiculata of Hercule is both the fun, but also, I would say, a uh, a challenge for audience members. <laughs> because, like, especially in Murder on the Orient, Ex- Murder on the Orient Express, it's it's jarring. He's He's just, like, kind of, like, doing a lot of declarations and yelling. Right. Um, but again, like this, this is all just like laying the groundwork for, you know, what the genre is, because to your point, like it, it comes full circle, like, or like, Oh, this is camp, 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 camp. Like, cause it's also hammy. Right. Um, moons over my hammy on the American side. You know, we have people like Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. Raymond Chandler f- was one of the founders of like the hard boiled, uh detective fiction genres um basically like if there was a difference like the american writers were like the british sensibility is too clean too too right. like too like now let's all sit down and right. i'll tell you how things happened um and it's just yeah. like so clean and like you know easy breeze and, and polite frankly polite <laughs> it, it's definitely that stiff upper lip thing i love that you you say it that way because there is a uncanny amount of you know, and and this is tr- I think this is true of a lot of detective fiction where the suspect is cornered. They've just but, been outwitted, right? And where they're just like, "Fine, <laughs> like you, I admit it, <laughs> you <laughs> dastardly lads, you got me." The 1920s, you know, w- the Americans are writing a lot more. It's hard boiled. It's you know, yeah. When the depression hits, when the war hits, the and by that I mean World War Two specifically, even though World War One obviously had a huge impact on on Europe as well. But when these things hit, the idea of people dressing in tuxes and sitting around a parlor and solving something as trivial, and I don't mean to trivialize death, but as trivial as the death of another rich person, right. are out the window. And so a lot of these crime fiction from the 20s and 30s get turned into film noirs because they have um, a much darker sensibility to them you know the detectives themselves are often very flawed they're drunks alcoholics yeah and uh, the idea that life is bad and will always be bad 
and that they have to be bad themselves in order to exist in this world of darkness. That really lends itself to what's happening in a post-war United States, because once again, nobody wants to watch everybody sit around in a a study while everybody's dressed in the nines, just talking about like... And then you hit her with a candlestick. You know? Right. The detective is not like really um, beloved for his wits or his, you know, smarts. It's like he's just someone who's like, you know, looking somewhere he shouldn't. Um, being dastardly similar to the actual like person who did a, the crime. You know, the, the, the world's got his thumb on him. Um, there's typically, you know, a dame or two. Uh, yeah, the, usually usually a femme fatale who gets yes, involved. and A lot of smoking. Um, again, you know, like Dashiell Hammett's stories were often set in San Francisco, which is a, also a good example of a city where lots of different people were living together in this big city. Crime was happening, you know, especially a multicultural city like San Francisco. Philip Marlowe yes. is Ray, Raymond Chandler's. Uh, Dashiell Hammett's is... Um, Sam Spade. Yeah, Sam Spade, but also... Nick and Nora Charles. Yes. I love them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're amazing. And if you've not seen, you know, the the Thin Man movies, there's a series of Thin Man movies from okay. 1934. There's like 10 of them. They're so much fun. They're all very like, I don't know how to describe them because they have a, they, they have both vibes, but they're, yes. mo- but they're also very playful. They're very like. Nick and Nora themselves are so fun. Yeah. They have a dog. Uh I I will say I love the thin man and it's a classic and it it lays the groundwork. But I think after the thin man, the second one really like takes that format and is like, and here's how we're going to do it. And then everything else is kind of the the next layer of that after that. Right. I, this is probably early enough where, like, they were still trying to hold on a little bit to that, like, elegance and that upper classness. But it's not some mysterious monster. Like, it, it's gang shit. It's, right. you know, people on the streets. It's like, there is a bad guy. It's not like, oh, there is some force out there that, or a guy pretending to be a force. It's just a bad guy. Hello, sugar. He's dragged me into every gym mill on the block. Yeah, I had him out this morning. Oh, I thought so. Oh, uh, uh, this is Tommy, uh, my wife. How are you? How do you do? Tommy, I don't usually look like this. I've been Christmas shopping. Madam, I'm afraid we shall take the dog out. Oh, it's all right, Joe. It's all right. It's my dog. By the way, those are played by William Powell and Myrna Loy. And what's great is uh, William Powell himself is no stranger to this mystery genre. I mean, he did play... Philip Marlowe at one point, he's another one of the usual suspects where he will just show up in a in a mystery film and and be the guy that solves the crime. Now we're getting into like, you know, film. Um, and a lot of these movies are, uh, or a lot of these novels are being adapted. Um, you know, we talked about The Thin Man. Uh, in 1941, The Maltese Falcon, which is perhaps one of um, Dashiell's, uh, like, most famous stories starring his star Sam Spade. But literally from this era, the 30s, 40s, 50s, there are so many of these movies. So many. We haven't said this before, but like it is very hard to make these stories work. Right. Um it's it's so hard to craft something that is satisfying, that doesn't feel cheap, that feels like, you know, you 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 really have to breadcrumb the clues because the worst kinds of whodunits is at the very end where it's like, 
oh, here's a piece of information that no one knew. And like, you right. could not figure it out if you tried. Suspects. Like, there, there have to be suspects that the detective and the audience are trying to figure out who... Who who did the thing? Literally the titular who done it. Like and so there has to in the traditional, very classic um whodunits, I think, like there's typically a cast of characters who are isolated, like on a train, on a fucking boat, in a right. house. There's six people. And as the movie goes along, you find that they all have a motive. They like they're for for one reason or another, like they would have loved to see that person dead because of secrets, money, lies, right. sex. Well, let's, let's remember the three rules that are established in great detective fiction, which is in order to commit a murder, you need to have um, means, opportunity, and motive. Again, to, for it to be successful, like you can't get through the movie and then all of a sudden it's like none of your suspects were. It was like some random person yes. that you haven't seen. Like that's garbage, mama. Like we hate that. Like there needs to be someone in the house that we decide. Like <laughs> yes, twas this person. Um, so yeah, zooming ahead a little bit, you know, I did want to mention in 1969, Scooby Doo was created, um, and uh, you know, I think the popularity of this genre has like waxed and waned, but like has always been very popular. Like Scooby Doo <laughs> has never left the like social conscious of. At the very least, the United States, but like certainly abroad as well. Um, and all of the um, iterations of Scooby Doo and, and you know, uh, this like kind of younger um, teen angle of this group of friends and their dog who like serve these mysteries, um, you know, is is ongoing. And, and it <laughs> kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, there's a reason why Sherlock, you know, and Scooby Doo at, at opposite ends of the spectrum of, as characters have endured. And it's because we love mysteries and we love like uncovering, you know, these things. And a side bit of also cultural impact, then I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in 1943, British board game designer, Anthony Pratt comes up with Cluedo, also known as Clue here in North America. And it's a game that's first man manufactured by Waddington's in the United Kingdom in 1949. And it's, you know, Hasbro owns it now. It's been relaunched so many times. And this is another exactly what you're talking about, the enduring legacy of putting the person in the seat of the detective. You know, yeah. Cluedo is a cl classic game in which you are six characters trying to figure out who killed Mr. Body, in what room, and with what weapon. And that's, yeah. you know, the, the tenets of figuring out, you know, person, place. Who done it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to like do a quick run of the things that I watched that I thought are worth mentioning. I think we should maybe do like a stop at 1972's Sleuth. Sleuth is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I have shit to fucking say about it. No magic. <laughs> Sleuth is very good. It's a good mystery. It is gaggy for sure. Like, does it follow like the exact tenets of a whodunit? Right. No. No. It's a two-hander. It's just, like, these two guys basically try to, like, fuck each other over. Um, and like, possibly fuck each other, <laughs> depending on what you read into it. <laughs> Put on the swig. Let's see how it looks. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's have fun. Uh, but it's very good. Um, it's, 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 it's Laurence Olivier and 
Michael Caine and Mike, Michael Caine together. Kine. Together, Michael Caine, who is uh, who loves the genre. Oh they, yeah, Michael Caine's going to show movies. up, and he's yeah. He always just sounds really smart. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is he's definitely one of the ones that like he's going to repeat. As I mentioned, he's in that Sherlock Holmes movie. He's also in Death, Death Trap. Trap, and yeah, he's he's somebody like when he shows up, you're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in for a mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sleuth is is fun. It's two guys in a house who start off being very polite, um, in, even though they have a disagreement, and then just trying to outwit each other, which I think I think it fits in the genre because so much of the genre is just like who's the smartest fucker in the room. Right. And like it's very like bitch you thought, like again, again, <laughs> again, and again. That was actually the working title of the film. It yeah, was Bitch yeah. You Thought. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there was a there was a remake in 2007 by Kenneth Branagh. It also has Michael Caine in it. I do not love it. I will okay. say, okay. yeah, it's Michael Caine and Jude Law in the Michael Caine role. You come here and announce your intention to steal away my wife. You pry into my manhood. You lecture me on ignoble minds, and you mock. The creation of my life, St. John, Lord, merit you. <laughs> well, they're all real bullets this time. The game's over, Andrew. I'm going home now. The early 70s was kind of like a good year or good era for murder mysteries and, and whodunits. Um, in 73, we get The Last of Sheila, um, written by Stephen Sondheim and, and Anthony, Perkins. Anthony Perkins. They were just having a gay old time. <laughs> the the gayest of old times. I loved, I, I'd been meaning to watch The Last of Sheila for years, and I, I genuinely loved it, and clearly a mystery that can only be written by two two vulgar gay men yeah uh, but i was i mean I was, who 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 thought of the idea let's play a game called secrets it's like <laughs> yes. that's the most faggoty like <laughs> messy drama yeah that that's definitely the it's just malicious gay faggotry and i didn't yes. think we were here for it yes that's um, the movie <laughs> but uh it's so good it's so fun and funny enough uh, Diane Cannon is in it and also in Death Trap, and she's so good here and so bad in Death Trap, <laughs> which I think is so funny. But uh, but yeah, but I also think one of, the, one of the things that I love about this movie specifically is it's an original property. Yeah. And the, there's so many adaptations. There's so many Sherlock Holmes, Nick and Nora Charles, you know, Agatha, Agatha Christie. Christie. But this is literally these two guys got together and came up and i guess the genesis was as they were throwing cocaine. these murder mystery yeah also cocaine <laughs> but um they were throwing these murder mystery parties and literally inviting celebrity friends to come to these murder mystery parties which by the way uh i do not celebrate my birthday but this next this year is a big birthday and i honestly if somebody if somebody wants me to throw them a murder mystery party, maybe. What do you mean? No, Gavin, we need to throw you a murder mystery party, you oh, crazy I person. Guess. I get. I don't. But I also don't like surprises. So. <laughs> no, it's not a surprise. You, why? <laughs> what I'm telling you is that you should host a murder mystery party for your birthday. Hello. Yes. I, I should love- be like, let's play a game called Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I have wow. not learned my lesson. Wow! 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 wow. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, The Last of Sheila is a lot of fun. Yeah, they're on a boat. Um, there's revenge. There's twists. There's James Mason. <laughs> yes. Um... Wait, I think I've solved the murder. <laughs> <laughs> the Long Goodbye, which you mentioned earlier. Yes, uh, uh, a Robert Altman film, a a very unconventional Philip Marlowe adaptation, basically recast Philip Marlowe as like a not particularly great detective who's just kind of like living his life in SoCal and like is he kind of a loser? He's kind of a loser. He's right? kind of a loser, and that's I mean that's the thing is you know it it was famously written by Lee Brackett who like is a genre queen herself. I mean she literally wrote. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. And and honestly, like, Robert Altman has admitted he threw out a lot of the script because that's a very Robert Altman thing to do. But you can see that the bones are there of, like, a really tight mystery. But I, lo- but I love that Robert Altman's so uninterested in the cool, detached, everything sucks, it, noir element of Philip Marlowe and creates this very laid back, like you said, loser. I mean, but he's Elliot Gould, so he's also, like, really so good looking. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Elliot Gould in the 70s, my God. Yeah, you're like, oh, this Mr. Barbara Streisand makes sense now. Yeah, Get it. Yeah. Get it. Where did you go last night, Marlon? Oh, is this where I'm supposed to say, what is all this about? And he says, uh, shut up, I asked the questions. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Marlon. So just ask the questions. Where did you go last night? Well, maybe if I knew why you wanted to know, I could remember. You gainfully employed, Marlon? I don't know. <laughs> Where do you work? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I understand English, believe it or not. I'm a private detective. I have my own agency. I would be remiss because I, I feel like you're probably not going to mention it. And also, it kind of deserves its own show. But if I didn't mention Italian giallo films, uh, they're their own genre, but they come from these cheap paperback detective novels that were very popular in Italy. And, they you know, they sort of get started with Dario Argento and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. But they have their own unique take on them where they're much more horror oriented. There's always a, a killer wandering around that you you don't know who it is, but they're always wearing a black glove and they're always putting their black glove over a lady's mouth and stabbing them. And sure. Like, sure. Yeah. And uh, there's some really great entries in that. But I think maybe the most famous to come out of that is Dergento's Deep Red, which has one of the most satisfying whodunit ending, endings because it's ridiculous insane but um but yeah those movies are not for the faint of heart i remember as a teenager being very into giallos and like trying to find the one that was the least graphic and gory and being like because my sister nicole really likes mysteries and my mom really likes mysteries and so i remember sitting them down to be like let's watch this movie called tenebrae it's not gory and it's not for like the first hour but literally an axe comes through a window and cuts a girl's arm off at one point at that point i was like oh yeah i guess this does happen you're like wait a minute okay well you (laughs) know i guess we're here and it's too late yeah (laughs) so um like we mentioned earlier in 1974 murder orient express um the original is made with hercule poirot um (laughs) it's for me this hercule is just a little bit too loca for me to stomach and i'm not saying that i like the remake in 2017 starring kenneth branagh but i get that the point is that hercule is supposed to be over the top um 
Kenneth's version is not. He just has the mustache. And they the even, biggest like, mustache. Yeah. And they even in the sequel give him a reason why he has the mustache. He apparently has like a cut on his face and like the mustache covers it. Oh, that's stupid. Ugh. Yeah. Did you not see Death of the Nile, the remake? No, I've still avoided it. I, I think no, those... I mean, good for you. Like, work. I think the those Kenneth Branagh movies are very indulgent, both stylishly and and just in the way that it only advances his ego so i'm not super interested in his version of poirot but i i will say i have seen because i watched the the first one when we did michelle pfeiffer and i found it kind of weak and garish in comparison because i do like the original but i agree it's not my favorite movie i think the thing that people come to murder on the orient express why it's the one that's the most adapted is it has the most shocking ending, which I will not right. spoil here. Right, right. But it is, it's like an all-timer ending. I think getting there, unfortunately, isn't anywhere near as much fun as the resolution in that one. Right. It's it's not. I mean, but, but also I think people go to it because it's the classic setting. Like, there's all sorts of different people. They all have different, like, motives. They are trapped on this train, like, stuck in Yugoslavia in the snow or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's classique. After the shock of the body's discovery, Mrs. Armstrong gave premature birth to a stillborn child and herself died in the process. Her husband, Colonel Armstrong, once a brave officer in the Scots Guard, shot himself, and Mrs. Armstrong's personal maid, who came wrongly under suspicion of complicity, threw herself from a bedroom window and she died to five. That's five. I just want to really quickly mention Chinatown. Uh, yeah, directed directed by Roman Polanski. Um, yes, unfortunately. So that mm. sucks. Um, but especially it, because the movie is so good. <laughs> yes, it it is. Uh, you know, fucking. I think like the National Archives or whatever. Like it's one of yeah. like the most you know whatever that designation is for historically significant movies. Uh, in 1976, we we. And correct me if I'm wrong, Gavin, but we get, like, one of the first spoofs with Murder by Death. Yes. Um, the, the, the the genre of spoofing, like, the spoof uh, whodunit, um, you know, is also very rampant through uh, the genre. Uh, Murder by Death is one of the first ones, and it, it really is, like, this over-the-top, you know, uh, send-up of yeah. all the – I mean, so, like – the characters in this movie are all riffs on famous detectives. So you get a Hercule, you get a Sherlock, you get a Sam Spade, you get a Miss Marple. Like, and they all have like different names and they're all somehow even more ridiculous than like, like their version of Hercule. I forget his name, but like it, it's, it's to the 10th degree. Truman Capote's in this movie. Um, yeah. And Truman Capote's great. It's one of the few acting performances he ever gave. He's so funny. I will say the unfortunate mark on this movie, and it's something you truly can't look past. You really uh, cannot. Is Peter Sellers playing Inspector Sidney Wang, who is supposed to be a Charlie Chan type character. Um, Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of work to try and reclaim Charlie Chan for Asian people. And, 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 you know, if 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 they can, that's great. I but Charlie Chan was a racist caricature detective who is very popular in America of course, Peter Sellers is not an Asian person, so he's doing this all in yellow face, really offensive accent. And I I will say, there are very funny moments in this movie. 
almost none of them have anything to do with Charlie Chan, the Charlie Chan character, or Peter Sellers doing this really offensive uh, racist caricature. And I've seen people do modern reviews where they've like, they're like, well, you know, some of this may be inappropriate. Like, it's not just inappropriate it's racist like just yeah, say that not, it's don't be afraid to say it's racist because that's what it maybe, is it, it, no right. it is it's i mean and i would even argue like it's not even funny right like it, well know, that's what lot, i'm saying like it's a lot, yeah a lot of like that he has beyond the joke of him being in yellow face and you know with his accent like he has punchlines that aren't good that really fucking sucks i i will say Murder by Death, not for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the humor seemed very cheap. Just a lot of punching down, I thought. Um, I don't it, think you're wrong. You know, it was it was written by Neil Simon. It's certainly not his best work. But I will say... Is that crazy, Neil Simon? <laughs> yeah. The movie version of Clue doesn't exist without this movie. Yes. Which, yes, you know. absolutely. Absolutely. Like, th- this is like, a, you know, a dark, unfortunate template for spoofs that we you know, would get later and love. You get Death of the Nile in the next couple of years. The mirror cracked in 1980. Um, you told me that you thought it was kind of boring. Yeah. Um, I, I watched it. It's it's only fun when those two ladies just right. are sniping at each it's, other. It's Yeah, it's like literally the, only the bits that are for the gays in the D- audience. Can we have a big smile for these ladies? Chin up, darling. Both of them. A little bit closer, please, ladies. Lola, dear, you know there are really only two things I dislike about you. Really? What are they? Your face. So there's some great lines, but it's mostly kind of tepid and dull. Yeah, I mean, this is the era, I would say, where um, the girlies are fighting. (laughs) Because (laughs) in 82, you get Evil Under the Sun, where you get Maggie Smith sniping um, against... um, Diana Rigg. Diana Rigg, where they're just like, oh, how could I ever compete with her on stage? She was always the greatest at kicking her legs so high on and off the stage. Like, yes. it was just like, <laughs> they, th- that's fun um, in Evil Under the Sun. I will say Evil Under the Sun, like, really solidified to me the whole thing of, like, probably the reason why this genre waned a little bit getting like closer to the 90s because it's like this genre really tests the limit of the audience and being like come on no one's doing that that's a lot of work like that's a lot of fucking work like the way that this person was running across this island to just commit this crime is like relax enough i found this great thing where ryan johnson was talking about you know when he did knives out like one of the things was that like Hitchcock hates whodunits because, you know, and I think a lot of people, because they associate Hitchcock with mystery, think that he directed a lot of whodunits. He truly didn't. Hitchcock hated whodunits famously. And his whole thing about whodunits was it's a big buildup to one big surprise at the end, which was a very cheap coin for him narratively. And that's why he was all about suspense. He's like, give them the information early and make them lean forward in their chair. And I I think that's another reason why this sort of wanes to to when you get to the 90s as well, too, because that, you know, it, it is a very formulaic where it's like a lot of one person going around asking questions and well, seeing the same like, thing. The reason why the famous trope of like, oh, the butler did it. The butler right. did it. Like, oh right. yeah. 
oh, it's, uh, the person you least expect. Yeah, that's the one. Yep, that one. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked Evil Under the Sun because I thought it was fun and funny, but it was of all of the Poirot movies I've seen, the easiest to solve. I was like, I clocked that ending a mile away. I was like, I know what, yeah. what happened here. In 1984, um, Murder, She Wrote starts, um, which lasted until like 96. Yeah. Um, so again, like super popular, but also I think would uh, drive a wedge between like audience members because like it became like the genre became like for the olds. Right. It was like the cozy mystery where it's like you know which i i will say as somebody who's now watching murder she wrote mostly for the first time um i'm in season two currently uh it's wild it's but but even for being for the like literally stuff happens on that show that doesn't happen it that like is like a season seven type of, like she becomes a senator in the first season what she, she plays her own identical cousin at the beginning of the second season she inherits a football team in an episode right, like sure yeah just normal normal so i was like where are they going with this by mid-season two is she gonna be in space <laughs> like <laughs> the cocoa era of murder she wrote <laughs> exactly coming soon um Clue comes out in 1985. There are a couple other spoofs that I did not get to, but Private Eyes, I believe, yeah. comes out. Um, like you mentioned, um, Sherlock Holmes's smarter brother. Um, there's a lot. Again, this is like what I got through, but there, there's a lot yes. um, going on. And, um, and I do think there is a place, and I know you would disagree, but I do think there is a place in the horror genre. And I think one of my favorite ones, which is very divisive, is a little film called April Fool's Day which comes out in the 80s, and the ending of it is one of those, 1986, it's one of those movies where, like, you get to the end and either you're with it or you're totally against it. <laughs> and it it really, it truly pissed a bunch of people off. You saying the word slasher just now reminded me, though, of another reason why I don't think a lot of the horror works in whodunits, just because you don't go into those movies for the mystery. Like, you True. don't go to Scream or to I Know I What You Did Last Summer. I there are a lot of people who go to Scream for the mystery now, but not, now. not, not originally. Yeah, yeah. Right. Are, are they're not made for the mystery, right? Like, they're made for, like, the horror elements. They're made right. for... Right, well, I mean, that's... Nothing could be more... And I like Scream 2, so I'm not coming for it, but nothing could be more apparent than Scream 2, which they had to change the ending because the script leaked, and Scream 2's ending is literally unguessable. Anyway... Uh, also in 85, um, you know, I mean, so Clue, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, young Sherlock Holmes in 85 as well. Um, we talked a little bit about it in our Dark Ages um, episode, our Disney Dark Ages episode, because um, the great mouse detective famously had to change its name because Sherlock Holmes bombed, young Sherlock Holmes bombed um, the year before. Um, I saw young Sherlock Holmes and maybe I just hate kids. I don't know. Not for <laughs> me. Yeah, I don't know. It just... No, it's okay. You're allowed to not like things. You're... <laughs> Thanks, Gavin. No uh, problem. Here to validate you. In 88, we get Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which we talked about in our... So many times. We've yeah. Literally, like... We've literally talked about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We talked about it in our Robert Zemeckis episode. We talked about yes. it in our, our Disney Renaissance episode, even yep. though it's not technically part of the Renaissance. Like, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, we love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, absolutely. And, here at the Mixed Reviews. And is a good whodunit. It's a very good whodunit. <laughs> I mean, like, gags, mysteries, reveals. Right. Like, you, like you it, got the dame. It, it shows you who the villain is up front, and then, whoop, rug. Yeah. <laughs> Please, me skin. 
don't be ridiculous. When you called Maroon, you told him you had the will. But you don't. When he finds out, he's going to be mad. He might try to kill you. I can handle a Hollywood cream puff. I just don't want the odds to change. So you cover mm. my back. I think some of my favorite uh, whodunits deal a lot with, like, class and power. Yes. Um, because, like, we, we were texting about this earlier. Like, a lot of these are about people who are trying to retain power keep power or or take power um and it's always like so satisfying when like the the movies like show the disparity and like how desperate the people are to go to these crazy lengths because Truthfully, why would anyone do all this crazy shit? Right, to, right. To like the reveals, like and going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, a and normal person doesn't just murder. Like yes. that's the you know, and it's not, and it, and again, it's not just like boom, I murdered. It's like the cover up. It's like the twists on twists on twists to get away with it because uh, they are so desperate for you know keeping the power to themselves or to grab the power. Um, and, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a very good example of that because this movie literally is like this fable for like class and racism, you know, like right. these cartoons um, who are not welcome in um, the real world. Uh, right. And the and like the worker class as well yes, as public yes. transportation. Yeah. It, it like hits all the hallmarks. It's a lot smarter than people give it credit for. Scream. 96 which i don't count <laughs> but gavin does um i would say this is the era where like the whodunit is not doing well like it's not in vogue no it's just and people want action people want the grittiness and and colors and neon and all that shit of like the 90s um next one i watched was not until 2001 gosford park which was the kind of like serious drama version a right. very upper crusty um oscar Beatty. It, it was robert altman playing around in the playground again of being like i don't know if i like whodunits why don't we why don't we do it this way also written by julian fellows who went on to create downton abbey and it definitely has that it's feel to it yeah it's yeah. the same thing literally upstairs downstairs vibes um also in this movie like famously the detective is like oh i don't gotta talk to the the servants, pfft. yeah, like they clearly whoever killed this man was someone he, who like knew him, like was a good friend of his, like, and like. I was just asking the constable how long our guests will be staying, and Mrs. Croft has all the meals to arrange, and I know one of the housemaids is anxious to get away. I don't away. think there's any need to worry about that. I'm not interested in the servants; only people with a real connection with the dead man. Thank you. <laughs> the lifespan of. Uh, Ryan Phillippe's good acting years was just devastatingly short. I gotta yeah. say, um, you're not wrong. Truly outclassed at every fucking turn in this movie. Like yeah. the movie's star-studded with really great actors, and Ryan Phillippe is not one of them. Um, so sorry about that, gal. Um, in 2005, we get Brick, which um, you know, I would say like the mid aughts was when people started to try and reclaim trying to like do like the modern modern millennial twists on the genre um brick is so kooky booky um it is basically uh the hard boiled who done it in high school right but keeping the language and vocabulary of 
the classic hard boiledness. Yeah. Like they they it, it was not like high school musical the mystery thriller. No, it 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 is film noir, but yeah, like you said, set in a high school. I think my friend Tim said it best that sort of helped me contextualize it all these years, where it really breaks down the noir genre by being like, a lot of this is childish, and a lot yeah. of people's motives and means are childish, and and so it's kind of the perfect place to set it because it makes you realize like how selfish and and silly and everybody's being and and i I really like brick and brick is you know ryan johnson's first foray into the realm it's his first film and yeah and it really like lands the mark for me yeah i love the cast of this movie like ryan johnson et al did a very good job of like populating this young person's life uh starring joseph gordon levitt and just like just like really like um the murder's row of middle aughts teen hot people um and and yeah it's it's kind of devastating it's kind of you know really intense um but very good um and it's also i i always like when um artists take young people seriously and treat them like adults to me it's it really humanizes the experience in the movie 2009 we get sherlock holmes the latest one that we know with guy uh, Ritchie, yes and jude law Ju- jude laws watson yeah those movies are fun i will say and this is not to toot my own horn but i remember seeing this movie in the theater and this has only happened a couple times but there was a fire alarm right before the last what what would be the last reel it was digitally projected of course because it's, it was 2009 and we didn't think we were going to get to go back in. So I was like, well, here's what I think happened. And I was right. I was right the whole time. Wow. You got it, gal. Yeah. I think, you know, this is the era, I think 2000, this like reboot of the brand really speaks to uh, what audiences want. You know, it's like, it's the, the marvelification of Sherlock Holmes and detectives. Right. It's action. I mean, he's literally a boxer in this, right? Like he's fighting and like, but that's because he knows anatomy. Sure. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Fisticuffs because yeah, the, he, he's like, does like the equations. He's like, if I hit them right in this little carotid thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and, and that um, to me is reflective even of now we're going to come back to the remakes of death of the Nile and, uh, Myrtle or Express, it's all actiony and supremely right. hot people, supremely lush and gorgeous, beautiful gowns all around. Right. Um, and it's just but because like that's kind of all they are. And like yeah, I, yeah. I, I I do think the the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes films are fun. Are they really like especially the second the second one is like once again it's like Moriarty. A Game of Shadows, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Game of Shadows. Like Moriarty's there, so of course villain. But the, you know, I think they're fun, uh, but they're like not exactly hard on the brain. They live and breathe by the charm of, I mean, Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. are very good. Like, you know, yeah. they they are literally some of the most charming A-list actors we have. Um, and because there's a lot of material to work with on these two characters, they're able to like really pop off on them. I think in the Kenneth Branagh um, adaptations, it's just they hired the hottest people in the room, which is great. But like those movies were never about that. Right. And when you go back to the original ones, like there's not a lot of them like being able to 
go off of each other. And especially because Kenneth Branagh is not really he's he's playing the straight man in all this weirdly, where it, Hercule has never been the straight man. He is a right. fucking crazy he's person. He's not an action hero. He's not, you know. Right. And and these he is an action hero. Right. And the second one, he's literally like that's why he wears a mustache because he's got a fucking scar across his face and that's the whole gag because he was a soldier. Whatever. Um, also worth mentioning in 2010, the Sherlock Benedict Cumberbatch show premieres. Right. Um, it's hugely successful. Um, I think it's three seasons that stretched across till 2017. Um, v- again, very, you know, like... Sherlock CSI vibes. Um, and speaking of which, there literally is the elementary show that's on CBS right. that came out later with Lucy Liu as the Watson. Everyone loved that. Um, so now we're in the new era of like, you know, detectives are like actually cool and like mysterious and like emo and like <laughs> I mean, action and, stars. And and obviously like the, the two biggest ones, the like Knives Out came out and proved that you can still get audiences to come to a, a mid-budget movie in theaters. And it did the the smart thing that the, like, 70s, you know, whodunits did, which was cast it, stack it full of character actors. You know, the first one has Tony Collette and Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, you know, all these really reliable, you know, hardworking actors. Yep. And second one, Glass Onion, you get, you know, Kate Hudson's, Ed Norton's, you know, the the Janelle Monet's. like you, what you do is you populate it, yes, with beautiful people, but like beautiful people who can act. I mean, character actors, like, yes. like, who aren't afraid to like do something weird. Right. And, uh, and I think, I think those, you know, unfortunately, the, we talked about it in our 2022 year in review. Uh, the unfortunate thing is Netflix buying the, the genre, the, the, this, a series of films is like keeping them from having that theatrical life, but but it proves that there is an audience for it. And like, if done right, if a story is told correctly, um, then there is people are willing to show up for the whodunit because they like the ride. They like yeah. being along for the game is afoot. Yeah. Oh, I love that line. I anytime <laughs> they, Sherlock says it in any of them, I love it. Um, yeah. And so that kind of a catch. I mean. I saw The Nice Guys, Detective Pikachu, of course. I, I even saw Enola Holmes. How about that? Oh, there you L- go. Little Sis to Sherlock on Netflix. Um, I saw See How They Run last year. Yes. Yeah, uh, I forgot that I saw See How They Run. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so it really does feel like because of Knives Out, especially, like there is this kind of new renaissance of whodunits. But I would, you know, argue since the... 2009 Guy Ritchie there has been an upswing of seeing these characters and this type of movie again um quickly we we mentioned way back um an inspector calls um it's like a tv movie in in the uk uh, but th- i mean th- th- yeah th- that that's the version i saw it is an old yeah, um, it's an it's an old play. There was a film version in the 1950s. There was a TV version in 2015. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's sort of an inversion of the Who Done It, where an inspector shows up, says that a, a girl has committed suicide, and everybody in this family's been implicated in some way as the cause of her death. And the the twist is like, has this happened? Is he there? Like, is he an omen? What, is it spooky? What's yeah. going on? And it's cool because it's like a Twilight Zoney twist on like, has there been an actual crime here or not? 
I'd like some information, if you don't mind. Three hours ago, a young woman died in the infirmary. She'd taken steps to end her own life. The doctors tried to save her, but it was too late. Good heavens, how dreadful. And? Who, who was she? And you are? Um, Eric Berlin. My son. Her name was Eva Smith. Eva Smith? Yes. Do you remember her, Mr. Berling? No. But I seem to remember having heard that name somewhere. Eva Smith. But it doesn't convey anything to me. I don't see where I come into this, Inspector. But she was employed in your works, Mr. Burling. Oh, that's it. Well, of course, we've got several hundred young women there. And they keep changing. Uh, it's kind of tough, the way that... Yeah. I mean, and again, because a lot of that show is about class and um, the people with money treating people without money like shit. Um, yeah. And 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 And... But again, this kind of was like digging out like this bigger thing about like, are you are, are we good people? Like, you know, do right. you know that things that you do like have effects on other people, um, which was very interesting. Um, but anyway, that I mean, I watched like 32 ish movies for this episode. There are 10 billion whodunits. Um, th- I'm sure that there are stuff that we missed. I'm sure that there are people going to argue with us about like, oh, seven, memento, whatever. Like, I yeah. don't get out. I don't know. No. <laughs> seven isn't a whodunit because literally they introduced the killer in the last act. Like, I mean, he's killing people, but like, there's no way to figure out who it is. Like, that's right. The, I, I feel um, like the, the thrillers is its own thing. Right. You know? Like, and but that's okay. fine. But okay, Gumshoes, we're going to take a moment to pause and let you name every single whodunit you know. <laughs> no, kidding. Uh, but what we will do is get into our picks. Excellent. Let's do our one-star reviews first. Yeah. Excellent. Louis, have you figured out who done it for your one-star review? Let's see then. <laughs> Hmm. I have I mean, one if you want me to go first. I, no, I think I, I can go and I I hate like beating a dead horse, but it I mean really, I love it. <laughs> you, I live, laugh, love it. Um but I, I think and I think I talked about this not but two years ago on our year in review, but like 2021's Death of the Nile is just so vapid. It's actually it's, it's from 2022. So you actually talked about it on our 2022 one. Wait, I know the release dates. Trust me, they're nebulous. Yeah, but it, it yeah. came out in February of 2022, technically. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, like there are some mysteries that I thought were like, oh, that's you know whatever. Like didn't really like tickle me pink. But this one specifically was. A, very easy to solve. So, like, that entertainment was not there. <laughs> B, um, it, it, I, I, I don't think anyone really showed up for that movie, like, in an acting sense. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, I'm glad that we got the very campy line, with enough champagne to feel denial. Like, <laughs> I'm glad that they made the movie so that meme could exist, but that's a movie does not make. Um <clears throat> I, I I do think like the they kind of like tried to like Sin City 
Hercule a little bit, you know? Like, give it that little, like, he's got this dark edge. Hercule's kind of <laughs> fucked up, guys. Um, and it's just, it just seems, it, and it, but it's ridiculous because, again, I think these remakes are trying to have their cake and eat it too, where, like, he's dark and edgy, but also he does wear his little, like, mustache mask when he goes to bed. Um, I don't know if you clocked that in those movies. He like literally I mean, I, wears... I clocked it in, yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. So right, like... and it, it's like, okay, so is he a ridiculous person or is he not? Like, right, you, you, right. You're trying... Um, and I, I think part of that is is Kenneth Branagh doesn't see himself as a ridiculous person, so he can't ever bring that to it. Right, he's too serious. Um, so yeah, I mean, and like, I guess really quickly, it's a story about people. Getting on a boat. Um, it's allegedly like, you know, this couple are, it's it's for like a, a honeymoon, not honeymoon, but like an engagement party. Yes. Um, and then, uh-oh, the ex is also on board. And keep her away from me. Ah, the bereaved. As one at every wedding party. The good Dr. Windlesham proposed to Miss Ridgway when she was still Miss Ridgway. He and the papers both had the deal as good as done. Then came the engorged stallion, and now it's Mrs. Doyle. If I were in his shoes, I'd only come here to put a bullet in the groom. Who are our other guests? Lynette's godmother, who despises Lynette's wealth, and the godmother's nursemaid, Bowers, who covets it, as does Lynette's own maid, poor old Louise. Oh, his cousin Andrew. He's a slippery fish. No one except Lynette trusts him. And then, you know, the game is afoot. Trouble arises. Bodies start piling up. Um... It's, like, satisfying enough, but really when you're like, oh, who did the thing, they give you too much information, honestly. Um, and, um, and yeah, there's just no sparkle. Like, a lot of these movies, even if you don't, like, really vibe with them and you're like, oh, that's crazy. It's like there's at least some – and even me who does not respond to, like, some of the ridiculousness of Hercule, like – at least that's funny, you know? Right, right. This It's like, why was this movie made? Just because, like, you know, Army Hammer was hot and Gal Gadot I was think, hot? And I like, mean, once again, and I feel bad saying it, like, I think it's all ego. I think it's all Kenneth Branagh being like, here's a good vehicle for me, and here's a way <laughs> that I can make a movie starring me, with me as this very famous character, and it's a, going to be about me. Yeah. And, and like, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I've I've been avoiding this remake of Death on an Isle for a long time. Maybe I'll eventually watch it. I don't know, but I, I'm just sort of over Branagh. It's it's also wild though because like when you watch the originals, at the very least, you're getting like they're on a boat. They are right. like there's something visceral about you know being there. These movies are just like CGI'd and filtered with an inch of their life. Um, everything is just the artifice is it like there. How can there be a connection between the audience and these people? Um, and, and like the murder, like it's it's horrible. Like the, there's awful murders happening, and like, but uh, yeah, I, it's it just doesn't work for me at all. So yeah, my one star review is twenty twenty one twenty two's Death on the Nile. Um, my one star review was, uh, already mentioned, so I don't have, uh, I don't have any qualms bringing it up. 
because I just did think it was so painfully boring. But it's 1980s, The Mirror Cracked. And it sucks because I really love those caddy elements. I love Kim Novak and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor going back and forth. I love fucking Rock Hudson, like being handsome and six foot five and just, mm-hmm. just, you know. Uh, Tony Curtis, for once, not wearing a hairpiece or like not wearing the normal hairpiece that he wears. And do you think that they were just having a gay old time, though? I bet you Elizabeth Taylor and Rock Hudson were just kee 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 kee. She hadn't started a movie in years and he asked her to come do it. He was like, Uh. he was like, I'm doing this movie in England. Please come do it with me. And, you know, but I think part of it is, is I think I think the mystery, sadly, the whodunit is very good. And and I think you know it was a it was a Law and Order ripped from the headlines story that actually happened to Gene Tierney, and I won't say too much, but essentially it's a a movie in which um, a actress, a very famous actress, is coming to town to shoot her um, Queen Elizabeth versus Mary Queen of Scots movie, and <laughs> her rival, played by Kim Novak, this is Elizabeth Taylor. Um, her rival Kim Novak shows up, and when she shows up, they're having this reception for her. Um, the woman that Elizabeth Taylor is talking to is poisoned, and so everybody assumes Elizabeth Taylor is meant to be the poisonee. And the mystery is trying to figure out who tried to poison this actress. And unfortunately, she came to the town where Miss Marple lives. But my real issue is Miss Marple gets injured in the first reel. She's established as the main character right away. And she's fun. She's Angela Lansbury. She's having a good time in age makeup, which is really funny. <laughs> and uh, she injures her leg and then basically disappears from the movie for a solid 90 minutes. I mean, she pops in and bits and bobs. Yeah, but she's, she's like, like, is it her nephew who's yeah. like the police guy? And she's like, how's the investigation going, darling? Right. And, and, and like, so you're following this very uncharismatic nephew actor, you know, Interviewing people. Uh, Pierce Brosnan has a real early non-speaking role in this movie, by the way. He's the guy Elizabeth Taylor was, like, making out with. And then um, she could see Kim Novak out of the corner of her eye. And she's like, get this beast out of my eye light. That's uh, him? Yep. And, wow. And, uh, yeah, like, it's fun when it's campy. But when it actually comes to, like, the mi- like when it gets to Marple solving the mystery, it's almost literally like she wa- it's the Sherlock Holmes thing. Where, like, she walks in and she knows one little piece of specific information and is like, yeah, I'm sorry, dear, this is what's really happening. And Do you realize there were at least 40 people at that party and no one saw the poison being put into the glass? Oh, come now, Dermot. At least three people could have quite easily. One, the unobservant soul preoccupied with other thoughts, completely unaware of what he saw. Mm-hmm. Second? The person who may have seen it and thought nothing of it because it seemed quite natural. You see, in my day, it was considered very bad manners. But people today are always putting things in their drinks. Pills, medicines, all sorts of things. That's right. We have the person who actually did it. Same person who murdered Ella Zelensky. Exactly. I want Angela Lansbury to get in on the game. I want her to show up and be like, listen, I can call you both bitches too. But yeah. She, the game was uh, not for her not a foot. The game no. for her was, <laughs> it was a rest, sit. resting her foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I, yeah. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. Just, I mean, I had never seen it. And so seeing those moments for the first time was 
um, fun. I also thought the ending was like kind of tragic and sad. Yeah, and and I do th- like like I said, I think it's got good points and and there's definitely like. <sighs> Worse in terms of like, I mean, murder by death is. I I don't recommend anybody really watch it. Maybe look up the Truman Capote scenes on YouTube, but like, no, yeah, it, I that that would have been my other pick, murder by yeah, death. Yeah, th- that was also my other pick. I actually assumed you were going for it, so that's why I was like, well, I'll do the mirror cracked. Um, yeah, murder by death is certainly not something I can recommend people really watch. Uh, right, especially but if, you, when, but if you do like know that it is racist, like and say it, like the don't pussyfoot yeah. around it. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine, like, being like, hmm, should I watch Murder by Death or Clue? What should right. I watch? It's like... A lot of people will double feature them. And I'm like, no. No. Just don't watch don't, Murder by no, Death. No, no, I literally put on fucking Scooby-Doo movie. Like, no. <laughs> it's a it's a no for me, dog. I, I will also controversially say that I did not like Death Trap. Oh, well, that's fine. I mean, that's totally fine. I liked it. But I but also, once again, really funny that it's like a it's like a comedy without very many jokes. I will say it's very in the sleuth genre of like two people trying to outwit each other. But again, I know it was very uh, influential for Ryan Johnson. Like literally, there's a fucking wall of prop knives and like, hello. (laughs) Um, So I get it for the genre. I get it. But like for me, no. Um, but okay, enough of this. Uh, what about our five stars? This is hard, is what yeah. I'll say. So you think you've solved the crime? No. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, she's a, it's a mystery uh, wrapped inside of an enigma, um, thrown bottom of a well. But I, I, I think I had the best time. Um, no, that's not even true. I think, I, well, because like, you know, I, I had a great time watching Knives Out again. Okay. Like Knives Out. Yeah. I had seen when it came out, like one of the last memories pre-pandemic watching it again. I'm like, still hits, still is a banger. Um, love all the class stuff that's going on here. I love Ryan Johnson is so interested in like just shitting on fucking white people who are awful and i love that like he he is an ally we salute like thank you sir for your service and work um if i would pick knives out if it wasn't too basic and there wasn't a lot of other very good picks from the genre to choose from Uh, and that is why i'm going to pick 1973's the last of sheila uh i'm so happy you picked this it's just like (laughs) so fun and the perfect amount of crazy just the perfect amount of crazy yeah um the movie is starts off with um sheila she is the wife of a producer and she's leaving a party one night and she gets run over and killed in a hit and run situation cut to a year later um her death is never you know no one knows who did this horrible thing. Right. Um, th- her widow now, widower, widower now, um, he invites all these other Hollywood friends who were there at the party that night um, when Sheila died to go on his boat and have a party, <laughs> an anniversary party for Sheila's death. Um, and the boat is called The Last of Sheila, LOL. And... Um, he decides he wants to play murder mystery 
and uh, he gives everyone a set of cards. In on the card, it has a secret, and they need to. the The game is trying to figure out everyone's secret. Um, someone is realizing realizes oh the secrets aren't like like if mine said like murderer it didn't say that but like it they corresponded to certain people right and and suddenly like the game becomes a little bit more real um someone turns on the fucking motor while they're in the water right um and and when they dock at um they're on this boat, but they, they dock to go, like, play this game where, like, this producer character has set up these elaborate set pieces, and they're, like, playing a game. They're getting in costume and running around. Um, and I think by the second or third one, someone has died. Like, you know, someone does not make it back from that game. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's like, I was not super familiar with a lot of these actors, Um is it Raquel Welch in this movie? She's yeah. like so hot. Yeah, just she just passed away. away. She just passed away. Yeah, uh, but I, I only say that because this is like an ensemble scenario. But like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Unlike today, where it's like they need to cast like everyone who's fucking famous and hot. Like they just cast like really good fucking right actors. Well, I mean, and that's the you know the thing. Like James Mason, obviously was a, an icon at that point he'd worked with hitchcock and everything but then you know you get people like ian mcshane who'd barely done any movies at that point and like truly doesn't end up really becoming famous until uh, deadwood and yeah so, like, yeah so yeah. like yeah it's literally just filling these roles richard benjamin who you know is was famous but like not hugely famous but then james coburn who was very famous so yeah it's this mix of just like People that he knew were going to act the shit out of this film. Why did you say, that's funny, when we were standing outside the chapel? Because it was locked when I left last night. Then I want to know why was it unlocked this morning and why did Clinton put the sign out? Because the game was over. It was, but it shouldn't have been. I had the homosexual card and the game should have gone on until I found him. Exactly. It's directed by Herbert Ross. Um, We mentioned earlier, Anthony Perkins and Stephen Sondheim wrote this together. Um, it, you know, I don't think it like made a bunch of money. I don't, you know, I don't think it like made a huge cultural impact, but I do think like Ryan Johnson has said, like this movie was very influential to him and his work. Um, and I think for people who are really into whodunits, but don't vibe with like the stuffiness maybe of like Sherlock and, um, Agatha Christie stuff, like this is a really fun 70s murder mystery thriller that is both silly and sad um and tragic i think the reveal is very satisfying um yeah i don't you had never seen this movie right i had never seen it and and i the reason i'm so happy you picked it too on top of all of that because it is really good is uh, like i said before it's an original idea it's not yeah. an adaptation it's not you know something that had been done before it's not characters that have been mined over and over and over and again it's an original murder mystery concept and it's so clever and so well done that it just it feels timeless but you're right it didn't make a huge impact it's become kind of a cult film in a way thinking about Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins who have been in the Hollywood game for a while but at this point 
and they have all these famous friends who are fucking freaks, probably, and, like, doing a lot of fucking drugs. Like, that's, like, the scandal of all these things, you know? It's savage. Yeah, like, it's a savage, savage take on the, the genre. Um, so, yeah, The Last of Sheila. What about you, Gavin? What you got? I mean, do you even have to ask? I mean, uh, I've been asked Flames? Ta- yeah, <laughs> flames on the side of my face? Uh, I've been asked several times in my life, what is my favorite film of all time? And because I am, as you've called me before, a snooty cinephile. Uh, <laughs> but um, I always say that my favorite film is 1985's Clue. And that is because no matter how many artsy films I've seen, no matter foreign films or, you know, the epics and... The thing that I love about Clue is it's a movie I know every line of. I can <laughs> recite every line. And it still makes me laugh. Every time. Yeah. And I think that's the true hallmark. Clue, as you mentioned before, is a send-up of whodunits, but it is itself a very tightly wound whodunit. Uh, it's one of those things that you know people don't give it enough credit for how well it's done. Uh, but it is based off the board game. It is six characters are invited to a mansion uh, to confront Mr. Body, who has been blackmailing them. They're met by Wadsworth, the butler, who is played by Tim Curry. I mean, talk about all-star cast. Madeline Kahn is Yeah, exactly. Madeline Kahn is Miss White. Eileen Brennan is Mrs. Peacock. Christopher Lloyd is Professor Plum. Michael McKeon is Mr. Green. Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard, Leslie M. Warren as Miss Scarlet, and Colleen Camp as the uh, maid Yvette. And it's it's dark black comedy. I will say the one mark against it is unfortunately was co-written by John Landis. I know. I was I was I was thinking I was like, wow, Gavin, this is gonna this is gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt. Yeah. Um, but directed beautifully by Jonathan Lynn, co-written by Jonathan Lynn, produced by Deborah Hill, who we talked about a lot in our John Carpenter episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just so funny. And it, it, like I said, six characters invited to a mansion. Mr. Body ends up dead. You've got to figure out who killed him. Also, more deaths start happening. Yes, yes. You know, uh, people keep co- showing up. Yeah, people dying. keep showing up, <laughs> dying. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> it just really, really funny lines. Um, the whole thing, I mean... I'm wearing a Madeline Kahn shirt right now. The flames on the side of the face, heathing, breathing breaths. That was an improv. <laughs> I mean, that that's the other thing is this cast was allowed to play. They came up with some really good things, but also all of the, the ending z- z- <laughs> are plausible. If you watch the film, they all make sense. You can go, you can look, you can pick up on the secrets. It all works. And that's, so wild that is such good writing such good writing yeah i i I read that when the movie premiered they like had three different versions out in the universe like yes yes i i've seen this movie many times in movie theaters and most of the time they will show the the three endings like they did because the three endings didn't yeah so clue is very famous because it has multiple endings and when it came out the gimmick was depending on which theater you were at you only got one of those endings Right. And let me tell you, two of those endings, not the most satisfying. So I could totally see people being a little disappointed, not getting the big ending. But uh, the when I went to one screening of it, they did just the one of the endings. And I was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I was like, I get it. I understand why people would feel cheated. 
But um, but yeah, I will say though. I mean, I don't want to give away the ending, but I the the big ending that like you know is the big ending. Um, it kind of erases the gay character, which I don't like. I've always read that as uh, so, Mister Green. Well, the the thing that Mister Green is being blackmailed about is that he's a homosexual. Right. Um, I've always read that as he's committing to the bit. So because it's, so, his famous ending line is "I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife," which is the revelation that he's not gay. But he's literally standing in front of his boss from the FBI, and so I've always read it as like, oh, he's going back to playing straight to i think that's a very generous yes reading gavin um i work for the fbi you're a plant (laughs) that's funny usually i thought they called guys like you fruits very funny (laughs) yeah 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 very funny it's so good um (laughs) i think the secret weapon of this movie though you know everyone i mean tim curry is fucking yes like jesus christ if if uh, you know if they gave Academy Awards for comedies, Tim Curry deserves the Academy Award for this movie. He literally it sh- spends... It should be called the Tim Curry Award for yeah. comedy. Okay. <laughs> he, he literally spends the last 30 minutes of like a 90-minute movie just running around doing the entire movie. Doorbell rang! And it was you! Yes? I asked you for your coat, and I recognized you as Colonel Mustard, and I prevented you from telling me your real name because I didn't want any of you to use any name other than your pseudonym, and I introduced myself to you as the butler, and I ran across the hall to the library! And then Yvette met you, and smiled, and poured you a drink. And the doorbell rang, and it was Mrs. White looking pale and tragic. That is a ham sandwich. That is a (laughs) honey-baked ham that is glazed, uh, and... It's it's Hercule. It's you know it's it's the it's the over the top. It's the bigness. It's 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 all that. But what was I what I was gonna say is I think the secret weapon though is um, Leslie Ann Warren. Yeah, I think she playing this um, madam, if you will, um, is so delicious. She's so fun and slinky, and she plays the damsel not in distress very well <laughs> just like she's like yeah i'm pretty and hot and like yeah whatever like i just think um watching it again this time through what's wild is like everyone's so good that someone like christopher lloyd <laughs> is a background person right like, he kind of fade- but but i i truly do think it is a pick a card it's a murderer's row of, yes. b- between professor plum's horniness and Colonel Mustard's stupidity and Mr. Green's clumsiness and you you have the the sexuality of Miss Scarlet and you have Mrs. Ms. White's like dark reservedness. I mean her exchange about her husband's dying with yeah, Tim Curry, yeah. so funny. Or the the wild eccentricity of Miss Mrs. Peacock like mm-hmm. and and the funny thing is is uh, contextually history-wise you know, a lot of these people were not big box office draws because they're they are kind of their character actors. Right. Much yeah. like, you know, and that's really what you were saying about The Last of Sheila, what, what really works here. The big draw at the time was Eileen Brennan had been in a very serious car accident and told she was never going to walk again. And this was the first movie she did after that. And wow. the Miss Peacock performance is so physical. I mean, there's a scene where literally she faints through Tim Curry's arms as he goes to catch her and she just slides all, all the way through. Like, it's a very physical performance and you would not know that this woman was par- almost paralyzed. Yeah. 
Um, I also you talking about the physicality reminds me the music in this yes. movie is so good and it. I mean, it's the Scooby Doo of it all. It's yeah. like, like you know, and they're running up and down, and like the movie is just like wound so perfectly, um, and and yeah, it's it. I don't know how to say this without spoiling, so I'm not gonna say it. But I, I think like uh, the release and the catharsis at the end of like we've arrived um you're just like so happy that you were able to be on this ride with these people like because it's just this roller coaster of um fully drawn fully realized people and characters um the all the running gags about red herrings and yeah. communism and, and like, we didn't even talk about red herrings which is a very popular thing in whodunits which you know literally is the idea that it's a, a plausible reason for something that ha- ends up having nothing to do with anything? Because people often refer to you know like straw man in politics, and this is not the same. A straw man is a completely invented right. idea. Where this is something that you know in in this movie, the the communism angle could easily be the motivation for murder, and it never is. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and that <clears throat> it's always like the red herrings are meant to throw people off the scent. Of like, you know, it's it's the writer trying to be tricky and clever. Um, what else, like, would you recommend to the girlies out there who want to get into their whodunit? You know, even though, once again, I did say it was easy, um, Evil Under the Sun, I thought, was a lot of fun. And maybe it's just because I just watched it today. But I, I really I really enjoyed the, the bitchiness of it. I really enjoyed, um, you know, it, it was really that version of Poirot like really defining himself in the in that sort of way and and more fun and um it's a yeah. very polite it's a very polite upper crusty movie but it is i would say you're right like of of the poirots that's um uh, the better of of what you could find i also think like you should people i think the thin man is on hbo max right now yeah um if, run don't walk to the thin man like yeah I, it's 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 shocking in like how modern the sensibility is of these the main characters, um, and this is again from 1934. It's wild that they haven't rebooted that, and not they've that I tried. Want... They've tried oh, several they... times. There's been, <sighs> unfortunately, there was talk of like Johnny Depp doing it. There was like a, a while where people were like, "Oh, it's going to be like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt." Like, I also think like if you uh, for an inversion moment, like Sleuth 1972 yeah. version. It's just, uh, you know, a masterclass in, like, writing the shit out of a, <laughs> a mystery that's not, like, it's it's just very not typical, uh, you know. It, yeah, it's a, it's a kooky, you know, not, not classic, not typical at all, but, you know, very good. All right, let's do our mixed reviews review, Gavin. My one-star review was 2022's Death of the Nile. My one-star review is 1980s, The Mirror Cracked. My five-star review is 1973's The Last of Sheila. And my five-star review is 1985's Clue. All right, let's get into the fast forward. We didn't talk a lot about Glass Onion. You just did a little bit. I think it'd be a good place to start because I watched watched it Christmas morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I watched it Christmas Eve. So there you go. See, um, and I first time watching it did not 
think too much of it. Um, thought that it was not as good as Knives Out. Rewatched it. I like it a lot better now. Um, but I think, like, to your point about, you know, it's interesting. Ryan Johnson clearly is trying to kind of reinvent the wheel here like kind of really you know inject new life in 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 interesting new ways of of uh making whodunits i thought glass onion was very interesting in that like the narrative beads that you follow happen at very weird times you know like he does he he loves a flashback he loves like moving through time and so you don't get like a really um steady narrative arc of like investigating learning a thing blah 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 you know like a reveal and then like it comes back down like this movie like kind of goes up and then goes back and then uh, like it's like you know those roller coasters that kind of like shoot yeah. you up and then go back down and go up and back down it's very jarring to watch um because it's not a, a, a the narrative structure is very um different it's funny because I think a lot of people, I, I think that was one of the stronger complaints, or not stronger, but like one of the more common complaints about Glass Onion. But it is, as somebody who's read a lot of mystery novels, it's funny because that trope, the the bifurcated timeline or the, the traveling back, finding out new information midway through a novel, is very common in mystery writing. And I, from doing this episode, it was kind of funny like i realized like you don't actually get it that much in in yeah like most of these whodunits are very straightforward they're very like and this is how the investigation works and whatnot and so i was like oh it's it's interesting to see people like we're like this isn't how it's supposed to work and it's like well it it does i mean there there are i can't think of an example fully off the top of my head but like i've certainly read mysteries that like keep that bit of information from you and then you're now seeing things again a second time with a different point of view but right. uh, but I, I mean, did famously, the... like the Glass Onion halfway reveal, yeah, of Janelle Monae's character. Like I was like, oh wait, like what? This is not the main reveal. Like this right. is this preemptive reveal type thing, um, which I thought was you know kind of interesting. I I I I do think like this is not. That's like the small like criticism I have of it. I do think like that both of them are deeply important social commentaries. Yes. And I, you know, like the unfortunate thing is like the people that need to see this movie and like get the commentary will just watch it and be like, fly right over their fucking heads. Or just fully reject it. Cause there was a lot of that too. But see, it's funny. Like in the first knives out, there is a character who is like a, college age nazi literally they yeah. call him a troll the movie does not condemn him at all the movie does not say anything there's no criticism of him you know he has a cousin who like is calls him an asshole or whatever but there is never like a moment like that that character does not get his comeuppance the, the movie right. does not be like oh and he was a bad guy. like that doesn't happen and i think like the reason why I like Knives Out so much is like it's kind of like they're like yeah this family just has a bunch of fucking people in it and they all like all families who would like disagree about stuff and I also think Ryan Johnson probably was like this is a kid who like we all think stupid fucking shit like you know yeah and it's not gonna like and so a part of me is like I think I what I will say unfortunately I think his movies are very fair you know and, and so I don't I I refuse the uh, uh, conservative you know, criticism of these movies because they're very fair. It's like, it's, these are not like witch hunts 
against conservative people at all. Like it's a a very fair take on like, and, and but when you're you're used to playing the victim, it's hard to not see yourself not as the victim. Right. And like, I think it's very important that like, there are these are minority women who play the leads in these movies um and you know they are at the core just good people <laughs> like um i re- the 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 visceral feeling i got at the end of knives out in the theater watching um anna de armas <laughs> literally just hold that little cup of coffee from yeah. like the balcony while that fucking rich crusty family just looks up at her and I was just like, "Wow, like it, 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 it hit. It really did hit." Um, and and similarly with Janelle Monet, I wonder if that's the the wave of the future when it comes to whodunits. It's sort of taking the, not making it so much about the. I mean, yeah, obviously the second one there. It's a lot of rich people, but like the the tone is specifically like, screw the rich. They stand for nothing, and right. I. I wonder if that's where we sort of need to move the needle when it comes to it, where it's like, well, who cares if we're doing the same old, like rich people bumping off rich people for fun and kicks, like where's the social commentary? Where is the, bring it to the now, bring it to the actual things that matter to people. And I think Ryan Johnson's doing a fantastic job with that, but I'd be curious if he can, maintain it because he does have a contract for at least another one with netflix so there will be another benoit blanc mystery at some yeah. point yeah and i i also like i mean he's clearly so reverent to the source material and like the genre like he literally had angela lansbury stephen sondheim right like in this fucking movies but both did, their last performance yeah, yeah did he do you think he knew that natasha leone was doing poker face later well i, I mean know. he it's it's his show so yes oh so yes so it was happening <laughs> i think the reason why people liked the sherlock bbc version was also like because of those things speaking to those things gosford park i think works because speaking to those class right. struggles um and and this idea that like you can uncover a mystery and find justice you know like bring people to justice with putting the clues together Thinking hard and using your wit and cleverness. Oh, we didn't even mention Veronica Mars, which love that girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's sort of the thing is TV. I feel like you know we we kind of brushed over it, but I think sort of in the '90s and 2000s, TV became the domain of the mystery, and I think only now realizing that the, you know these can still be compelling. They can be action packed. They can hold more than just you know your average convention episode of the week yep and and i i think that's you know the reclaiming of the whodunit for the big screen i think is fascinating and great but also like there's gonna be setbacks like i really didn't like see how they run and i think see how they run was a great example of how not to do this versus you know the knives out glass onions of the world yeah and these have always been hard to do and i think they will continue to be hard to do and um you know, I am excited to see, like, you know, where they're going. It, have you heard about uh, Ryan Reynolds' Clue remake? I mean, there's there's talk of a Clue remake every couple of years. Yeah, um, there was going to be one, like a globe-hopping version that was going to come out. The guy that did The Ring was going to do it for a while. Like, there's the Ryan Reynolds one that's been in the work for works for a bit with the guys that wrote Deadpool, which I'm very not excited about, but... <laughs> 
Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, who knows? Like, only Sherlock does. Hercule Sh- does. Miss <laughs> um, Marple. Marple does. <laughs> <laughs> and Benoit Blanc. And Benoit Blanc. Benoit is from Kentucky? I mean, he's from fake accent land, but that's fine. Do you think Benoit Blanc is his name, his real name? Uh, no. I mean, I, I think if anything, like, I, I kind of love the fact that we know so little about, you know, even even what we learned in the second movie about, you know, his partner. And, yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of like that we, I, I hope we don't get a... Uh, he has a mustache because there's a big scar on his face. Yeah, from yeah, Bella yeah, Blanc. yeah. I, I think that's not important. But. All he does, all he needs to do is keep on drinking and wearing cute little ascots and like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's all I want. That's all I need. Oh, this was a fun episode, Gavin. This I, was I'm really so glad. much fun. I actually it had was, a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it, it was I think difficult, it, but yeah, worth it. I, I think there is a lot to be said about the whodunit genre. I think there's a reason and I, I do think it's interesting that you brought up the whole true crime thing because I'm initially kind of, I of course have partake, partook in, partook <laughs> in the true crime stuff at points in my life, but I'm mostly put off by it. But it is kind of Same. funny because I do really like the whodunitness of of a fiction, you know? Right, and and that's I think the reason why true crime people like. I mean, it's it's easier to get into true crime because. The story is there to write a very compelling twisty whodunit is literally like it it, it breaks the stranger than fiction mold you know like it 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 is ridiculous it is over the top it is not just you know like the mundanity and horrors of true life it is beyond that you know and it takes and it takes these people who are beyond you know um the everyday person to figure stuff out. Like they are, even though they could be just a widow or a man who lives down the street, like they are using their brains in ways that tickle us and make us be like, Oh, they're so clever. <laughs> exactly. And we'll and keep playing end, along to the end of time. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, we, we just want to be clever too. So yeah, I think that's, that's all, that's all it is. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to send us little clever notes, you can Woo! always find us online at, at the mixer views on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just type in the mixed reviews. If you want to write us a little note, uh, not a ransom note, not a murder please. note, please keep that to yourself. But you can contact us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. If you want to um, blackmail us, uh, you can send us a DM at, on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us to find out who actually did it, you can always listen to our back catalog of episodes. You can find them on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, Amazon, Audible, pretty much any place where you can get podcasts. And if you would be so kind to move us up in the ranking, leave us a five-star rating and write our little review and we'll read it on the show. Yeah, um, I can tell you right now who did it. It was Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> Angela Bassett uh, did the thing? Yeah. And, um, I've been hearing thing, that. Um, we, by the thing we mean um, our episode of Angela Bassett so you can go <laughs> listen to that uh, but thank you guys for listening so much um, we'll see you next time with more exciting hot takes and mixed reviews uh, bye 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 good night and good pod <laughs>